Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Saad Gaia was a member of the Toronto 18 terror group which plotted to explode a truck bomb outside the Toronto Stock Exchange, among other terrorist plots. The Parole Board of Canada has decided to grant Mr. Gaia, who was sentenced to 18 years in prison, six months of day parole, five years into his prison sentence, so he can pursue a master's degree at university. Mr. Gaia is assessed by Correctional Service Canada as a, quote, moderate, end quote, risk for, quote, general and violent recidivism, end quote. There are restrictions he has to live with, but the question is, is it the correct decision? Mubin Sheikh, the author of Undercover Jihadi, joins me on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Mubin was an undercover agent for CSIS and the RCMP who infiltrated the Toronto 18 and testified against them in court. We'll ask Mubin to share his thoughts on the Syrian refugee issue as well and the uh, execution of a Shiite imam in Saudi Arabia, which is creating reverberations in the Middle East. Mubin, thanks for taking the time. And first of all, what do you make of the uh, of the day parole, six months of day parole for Mr. Gaia after, so that he can go to uh, get his master's degree? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, of the uh, 18 that were initially arrested, remember, seven had their charges stayed eventually, and some were found guilty, some pled guilty. Uh, Saad Gaia was one of those who pled guilty, number one. Number two, um, I happen to know the imams that have done his de-radicalization, and I know that he's in very good hands in that regard. Um, He has shown that uh, he's a good candidate for de-radicalization. I think this is something that we need to be working towards. Um, And so in the case of Saad Gaia, I know that he's in good hands. Number three, when they talk about general recidivism, this is based on a... Um, equation that they have uh, or a formula that looks at, you know, why the person did this, what they thought, you know, what, what's been their thinking for the past five years, now 10 years since the arrest, what's his thinking? Uh, and so he's shown that, you know, his thinking has changed. So uh, one of the, the issues that is brought up is you get an 18-year prison sentence and five years in, you're granted day parole so you can go get a master's degree at university. There are people significantly objecting to that. And then there's the question about that being a template for, I mean, doesn't that become a template going forward for someone else who's convicted of a terrorist act or the preparation to commit a terrorist act? Yeah, the, you know, the, the issue with uh, jurisprudence in Canada and in the Commonwealth in general is, you know, they will look at, you, you will get a sentence different if you were in, you know, planning stages versus if, you had actually done something and people got killed or property was damaged. So because, uh, because it was a plot that was interdicted very early on, the courts recognized that, you know, the, the, uh, uh, you know they're, they're not going to get that great a sentence. I've been following your, uh, your tweets on the issue of Syrian refugees. I was talking about that with Ambassador Martin Collicutt, former ambassador to Syria, and Richard Curland, immigration lawyer. And I'd like your thoughts on, on this whole issue. We have that number of 25,000 by the end of 2015. Then they said 10,000. Then it turns out to be 6,300. And now they're saying maybe 50,000 by the end of the year. It creates a confusion dynamic with many Canadians about what the government's doing or whether they're doing it correctly in the first place. How do you assess what's happening and what do you think should happen? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one thing is, of course, we just, we're just fresh off an election um, so we're going to hear this back and forth uh, a lot for some time to come. And number two, you know, it is a Herculean task. 
uh, to bring that many people over in such a short time. Um, and, you know, really, this is a, a great thing for our Canadian forces. It's very important to recognize their involvement uh, in, in uh, not just, uh, well, logistically, bringing people over, um, receiving them in, uh, in welcoming centers. So it's a Herculean task. Uh, it can't be done, you know, on an exact uh, deadline. So, for example, with the first deadline, maybe it will go over two weeks, okay? I mean, that's really a drop in the bucket in terms of, you know, if you want to frame it as unfulfilled promises, right? It's two weeks. Uh, but then the adding of more people, um, I think they're recognizing that once they, quote-unquote, get the hang of it, um, they will be able to bring more. And just the last point on that, remember, these are people who are already, they've already been in refugee camps. They're, we're not, again, we're not like Europe. We're not facing people, you know, coming on ships, uh, literally landing at the shore. These are people who have lived in refugee camps for some time. Um, they've been watched, they've been vetted, and then there's a second level of vetting that takes place from the Canadian side. So the, the security side is, is robustly covered. What do you make of uh, the numbers that we're hearing, that a low percentage of people who've been approached actually want to come to Canada? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, they might have family ties in different places. Um, it could be that, and I know, in fact, you know, the Canadians are keen on getting people over. So it's like if you're there and you have property or you might, you know, be in Turkey and you have assets in Syria, like you, you don't want to let that go. That's the only money you have. Um, so sometimes it's too quick a turnaround time and they just can't manage that. And so, hey, next person in line then, right? Yeah, deadlines and numbers don't usually work well when you have an emergent situation like that. It becomes a political issue. Mubin, the uh, the execution of uh, of a Shiite imam in Saudi Arabia, uh, a citizen of Saudi Arabia who challenged the lack of freedom to speak out and was executed for that, is creating tremendous uh, fallout in the Middle East. Talk to that to, to us, please. What's what's going on? What do you yeah. think might happen? Yeah, I mean, first of all, he, he was more than just a outspoken activist against the Saudi government. He was actually um, arrested in a shootout with police. Uh, he was armed at the time. Um, he, he's, he's, in effect, you know, an Iranian agent in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran are locked in a proxy war. Um, but, you know, they're playing their games in Syria, um, and, you know, and they're playing their games in Yemen. Um, so a lot of death and destruction in Yemen, you know, not too much coverage. Of course, Syria is the big topic. Uh, but the two are, are at their throats. Uh, the Saudi embassy was, was attacked with Molotov cocktails in Tehran. The Saudi embassy in Iraq, uh, which is, of course, a majority Shia country and ally to Iran, uh, there was a rocket fired at the embassy there. So you will see more of this. Um, and it does run the risk of uh, a major escalation between Saudi Arabia and Iran. So... Uh, this year, I'm sure we will see uh, something, something very significant. Always appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show, Mubin. Thanks so much, and have a great 2016, and I'm sure we'll talk again very soon. My pleasure. Thank you, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Mubin Sheikh. Undercover Jihadi is his book. He was a CSIS and RCMP undercover agent with the Toronto 18 and is uh, working toward his Ph.D. in uh, international security issues and is an international security expert.